question before the season even starts. And as it turns out, this is about LeBron James going to L.A. to do nothing but start his movie career. Uh, Maybe we should talk about the NBA or about the World Cup or about WWE because the Pirates are of no interest. There's no end game that's good. Last night didn't go real smooth. The Pirates lost 17-1 to at L.A. So you tell me, what's the angle for discussion there? The Steelers' subjects are the same old, same old. We have done the Penguins to death with the Jack Johnson talk and the Matt Cullen talk and torch flying off the handle in Columbus after what Johnson and Jim Rutherford said. Not that we're done talking about the Penguins because in about 15 minutes, my guest will be Matt Cullen. Dad is back, and we got him right here on the X. He's the newest, oldest Penguin. That's Matt Cullen at 315 right here on 105.9. And we got Stan Saverin at 430. And some great music talk, too, because at 530, my guest will be Jake Kiska the guitarist for Greta Van Fleet. He is all of 22 years old. Greta Van Fleet is at Stage AE on July 18. That show is sold out. Uh, Those kids are keeping my kind of music alive, so it's going to be great to talk to Jake Kiska. That's at 5.30 here on the X. One thing worth asking about when it comes to that Golden State situation is, if that were your team that you root for, in any sport where you know they're going to win, would you like that? Most people probably would. I would if it were Liverpool FC because it's been a while since Liverpool won the league. But with the Penguins, well, you know, yeah, I I would like it. But would I pay attention more or less? Would I be invested more or less? And what about casual fans? How's it affect them? Most of the sports cater to the hardcore crowd, the 24-7 fans. But the people you need to cater to are the casual fans. What do the casual fans think in places like Charlotte and Vancouver and Phoenix? Your thoughts at 412-333-WXDX. Seriously. If you knew your team was going to win, let's say you're a Steeler fan, which most of you are, and you knew the Steelers were locked to win the Super Bowl, would you be more invested or less invested? Would you pay attention more or would you pay attention less? Your thoughts at 412-333-WXDX. As mentioned, the Pirates lost in Los Angeles last night by the narrow score of 17-1. to Uh, The Dodgers took a 2-0 lead in the first when pitcher Nick Kingham, back from the minors, made two errors and could have been charged with another. And then it just went straight to hell after that. The Pirates made uh, three errors on the night and allowed a total of five unearned runs. It's good to see that time in AAA allowed Kingham to sharpen his fielding. Now his ERA is up over four like all the other guys. Dickerson got three hits, but who cares? The Pirates are now 40-44. and And, you know, that's not a bad record. It's about where I thought they'd be at the midway point of the season. But they got out to that good start, 
and it raised expectations, and there's no denying they have been crap ever since that good start. What were they, 26 and 17? And now they're 40 and 44. Uh, the Riverhounds are at home tomorrow night. Seven wins, seven draws, and one loss on the year. They host North Carolina with a chance to solidify their hold on second place in the USL's Eastern Conference. That's at Highmark Stadium in Station Square. Uh, the Riverhounds are good this year. I'm going to go. Fourth of July. What else do I got to do? Fireworks? What am I, eight? Uh, Sweden beats Switzerland in the World Cup 1-0 this morning. They're on to the quarters. As we speak, the second half is getting underway. Uh, it's England nil, Colombia nil. Colombia hampered by the absence of James Rodriguez due to injury. I like him because his name is James Rodriguez, but he pronounced it Hamas. For no good reason that I can see, he just said, okay, I'm going to be different, I'm going to be Hamas. And he does underwear ads, just like Cristiano Ronaldo. Boy, it's disturbing that I know that. But hey, it's natural, it's all around us. Uh, they took the big LeBron James banner down in Cleveland. Well, boo-hoo. Now it's just plain old Cleveland again, and the Browns are going to stink. Uh, Tyler Bozak wrote a story for the Players' Tribune website. Uh, Bozak left the Toronto Maple Leafs and signed with St. Louis. And Bozak wrote about rooming with Phil Kessel when they were both in Toronto. Uh, Bozak said Phil has a dog, a golden doodle. Whatever breed that is, a golden doodle. And Phil's dog's name is Stella. That's like on the waterfront. Stella! And Phil would have conversations with Stella. Like Bozak would walk into a room and Phil would be explaining to Stella why he didn't play as well that night as he had, had hoped. Now, my idea for the Penguins is to use Stella as an intermediary between Phil Kessel and Mike Sullivan. Who's a good little winger? You are, Phil. Yes, you are. You're a good little winger. Well, I got bigger fish to fry because we got Jake Kiska. I'm excited about that from Greta Van Fleet. We got Matt Cullen. I'm excited about that, the newest, oldest penguin. And tonight in theaters, the first purge, the fourth installment of the purge series. I got two trailers posted on the Mark Madden page at WXDX.com. Uh, there's a Purge TV series, which will premiere on USA Network in September. I'm undecided whether to go to see Purge uh, 4 tonight or go see it in the morning on July 4th, when, like I just said, there's not a lot to do necessarily. Uh, we're going to talk more about that NBA situation, about the winner of the league being predetermined you know, after the prior season just ended, what with his DeMarcus Cousins, the best big man in the NBA, admittedly coming off an injury, but him signing with Golden State is just absurd. Interesting viewpoint from Colin Coward, who I think is the best national sports talk host out there. He said, you know, Cleveland is is giving LeBron a pat on the back on his way out the door, which differs greatly from the rancor he faced when he ditched him to go to Miami back when. But Colin Coward 
was very right on the money when he said Cleveland had the best basketball player in the world for 11 years and won one title. LeBron at Cleveland was an abject failure. And, you know, you think, well, okay, Cleveland hadn't won a championship in any sport for how long since, what was not 62-63 with the Browns? So at least LeBron ended that drought. But if you look at it that way, one title in 11 years, LeBron's tenure in Cleveland, two separate uh, stretches. Yeah, totals maybe not a word because they did win the one, but it's a failure. It underachieved, no doubt, on that. Up next, the newest, oldest Penguin, Matt Cullen, here on the home of the Pens, 105.9. This is Sidney Crosby of the Pittsburgh Penguins. You're listening to Mark Madden and the best hockey talk on 105.9 The X. Joining me now as he begins his second tour of duty with the Penguins, it's a pleasure to welcome back to the program center, Matt Cullen. Uh, Matt, I can't say as I saw this coming, uh, how quickly did you return to Pittsburgh come together? You know what? Uh, well, first, it's good to be on with you. Uh, secondly, yeah, it, it happened pretty quick. It uh, honestly, we were home, kind of expecting to be done, um, and uh, just I guess it was only a few days ago, um, maybe four days ago. I got a call from Jim um, in the morning, just to kind of get a feel for where I was at and whether or not I was considering playing again. And um, after that, it was it was just a matter of a couple days. Um, just took a couple days to kind of confirm everything with the family and make sure that we were all on the same page and comfortable with it. And, um, the decision was made. I mean, we kind of went into the summer just thinking, you know, that really the only possible thing that we would look at would, would be, you know, going back to Pittsburgh, um, to finish it out there. So when that came available, it didn't take us a long time to decide it was, um, yeah, it was pretty quick. So no, it, it's all come together really fast. It's, uh, it's been a bit of a, a blur here. Now last year, uh, your wife wanted to go home to Minnesota did you have to sell her per se on a return to Pittsburgh? How she feel about this? You know, surprisingly, no. And and, and you know, I, I think that was a little bit of a. Well, it's, it, we all kind of wanted to settle down at home. It wasn't just her. It was we all wanted to go home and settle the kids down. And you know, they they're getting older, and it's time for them to put some roots down. And um, and we went over that last year. And um, so no, it wasn't a sales at all. I, she was pretty excited and. You know, our entire family had such a good experience there our last time in Pittsburgh. So um, it wasn't much of a sales pitch, to be honest. It was uh, a little bit of the other way. The boys and, and Bridge were both, they were all kind of pushing <laughs> hard for it. And <laughs> they missed it. And, you know, I think that's part of it. Sometimes you, you know, you, you're in the middle of it. And we played so much hockey in such a short period of time. And it was all so intense. And just no time to step back and really appreciate what a great setup and what an awesome um, place it is and team it was. And, um you know, so I think having that year away just really allowed things to settle in on what a great experience we had and how lucky we were to have been there. And I guess, you know, allowed ourselves to open up the idea of, of trying to do one more if it became available. Now, how do you feel things went for you in your year with Minnesota? You had good numbers. Were you happy with the way things turned out? Was it a, a good experience? You know what? It was uh, It was nice being home from the standpoint of the family side of things. Um but as far as the hockey season, it was it was kind of it was a little bit of a tale of two seasons for me. The first half, I had a really hard time adjusting to the style of play um, with our team, and you know the role I was. It was quite a, a quite a bit different than what I had become accustomed to in Pittsburgh, and what I felt I was effective at. So, first half of the season was really tough. Um, I didn't adjust the way I had hoped to, and it just didn't fit. 
hockey-wise. Second half of the season was much better, um, put up better numbers and played the way I felt I can play and, and had a pretty good playoff series. Obviously, it was a short run, but um, felt really good about the way that I played. You know, coming off of the first half, I thought the second half was good. And, and I guess to me, that was encouraging. Had the whole season gone like the first half, I wouldn't be talking to you here today. I would have been done. But, you know, the second half of the year was good and I felt good and I was skating well. I felt like, you know what, there's, there's still some hockey here. And, um, I guess it was, uh, it was a relief to find it and, and, and play well at the end. So no, I was, I was pretty happy with the end. It, the, the beginning was, was a humbling experience. It was not a lot of fun. That first part. Now, you turned 42 in November. Is the goal to necessarily play all 82 games, Matt? Uh, what will your body allow, and are you the same player you were when you left Pittsburgh? Yeah, you know, I don't um, I don't know exactly what the coaching staff will want to do with that. I, you know, you know, my age is a reality, so I think that there's always, you know, a bit of a focus on that as far as maybe monitoring minutes or, or monitoring games played. I don't know that, I guess, uh that would probably be a conversation that Sully and I would have when I get there. Um, as far as my own game, you know, I, I, I wouldn't play if I didn't feel like I had the same game. Um, if my game was dropping off, I would walk away. Um, I've had a long career and I'm proud of what I've done, but I, I don't have it in me to just come and hang on, you know, and, and so, you know, I, I know a lot of people think, oh, it's a good leadership move and all this, and then that's fine, and I, I hope to bring that, but I really believe that I have a lot of hockey left and that, that I have, uh, I can be a difference maker. Otherwise, I wouldn't be playing. And um, I don't have it in me just to come and cruise and enjoy a last season. It's just not not how how I'm built. So um, I'm back at it here, training hard, and I, I expect to be as good as or better than I was last time. Now, uh, Jim Rutherford talks potentially about a center moving to wing because the Penguins have five regular centers. Matt, you've done that in the past. Is that something you're expecting? Has that been mentioned at all? Yeah, yeah, we've talked a little bit about that, and. Um, it's definitely something I'm expecting and, and I've enjoyed playing the wing. I guess, you know, that's one thing that I can bring to a team is a bit of versatility. I've played a lot of wing throughout my career. I've probably played more center, but I'm equally comfortable at the wing as I am in the middle. So, you know, they have four great centermen signed. Um, so I'm expecting to and comfortable with playing on the wing. I also know that throughout the course of the season, there's a lot of changes and uh, different matchups and, and the, the ability to change your lineup uh, based on matchups, based on injuries, based on, you know, whether somebody's playing poorly or not playing well. You know, I think that's a big thing that, you know, we can add to the team. And, and that's something that we had when we were successful. I thought that we were able to move guys around and find matchups that work. So I expect to play, you know, kind of comparably to what I did last time I was there and, and kind of be used in a bunch of different situations. And, and honestly, I really enjoy that. Um, I love trying different things and, and the challenge of playing on the wing or um, playing in the middle, whatever the case is and, and what other team needs. We're talking to Matt Kellen here on the home of the Penguins, 105.9 The X. Uh, Matt, I'm sure you saw some of the Penguins' playoff games this past spring on TV. Uh, what was missing, or, or was anything uh, really missing? I, I think they probably just lost to a, a pretty good team, as it turns out, but uh, what did you see when you watched? Well, I didn't think that anything was missing. I was really impressed with the way they played, and I watched a lot of their games throughout the course of the season. A lot of really close friends there, and, and honestly, I, I love watching them play. I mean, my boys are hockey fans, and I am too. And I don't think there's a team that we enjoy watching more than than the Penguins. So we watched a lot, and you know, I'm really impressed with the way they played down the stretch, especially. And and you know, I was impressed with their game in the playoffs. I, uh, you know, I think they ran into a really good team. It was a good series. Um, I guess the big takeaway that I had from that is how close they were to actually winning it again. I mean, 
Washington goes on to win it, and that series was awfully close and could have gone the other way very easily. So I don't really see that it was a matter of uh, running out of gas or missing anything per se. I just thought that they ran into a good team and they got beat, but um, they were awfully close to going on and winning again. So, you know, that was exciting to see. And I think that, you know, this summer having some time to recover and rest and let your body heal. I mean, it's not just for an older guy like me, but for everybody, you know, the amount of hockey that we played the last two years um, in, you know, 2016 and 2017, it's it's a lot and, and your body needs that time to recover. So I think it'll serve everybody well to get away here and have a little bit of longer summer and, and come back kind of reinvigorated and, and hungry to get after it again. Uh, boy, that Washington-Pittsburgh rivalry is really something, isn't it? Uh, what's going to be like yeah. to get right back in the thick of that, Matt? Yeah, I can't wait. I, I, you know, I miss that. I really enjoyed that when I was there. And, you know, the Philly rivalry and the outdoor game in Philly and obviously having one this year would be just, would be so fun. And, um, yeah, it's, it's fun. There's a special thing going in Pittsburgh there. You know, there's some rivalries and I, I just think the game is so important there and it's, uh, it's fun to be a part of it. I, I, I really miss that. I, uh, I enjoyed it so much when I was there, all those the rivalries that have been there for a long time, and obviously with Washington playing as well as they have and, and going on to win it, it'll be a lot of fun to get right back into that mix. Now, Jim Rutherford talked about uh, lacking leadership while you were gone. Uh, what's the leadership structure like in the Penguins' room, Matt, and what do you think you add? Well, hopefully I can just be another leader. You know, I think that teams that are successful have a large core of leaders. I mean, any team that I've been on that has been successful, I look back at my team in Carolina when we won and you know, the years in, in Pittsburgh where we won, you know, we had a big group of leaders and, and it, it's hard for one guy to do it all. It's hard for two or three guys to do it all. And um, I think just the more guys that you can have that are pulling on that leadership rope to help guys like Sid and Gino and Tanger, and, you know, there's a lot of guys that do their part, but I just think the more help you can get, the better you are. So hopefully I can be another voice in the room um, helping out and speaking up when things need to be said. And, um you know, and help take some of the burden off some of the top guys because they, they, you know, they deal with the biggest, toughest matchups every night. They're the target of every team. You know, to be able to help to sort of take a little of that burden off of them, if I can do that, then then that's a, a great deal. Uh, we both know the answer to this question, Matt, but the, the window's still wide open for Pittsburgh, isn't it? Well, I, I don't think there's any question, honestly. I mean, one, two out of the last three years here, and last year they were a whisker away from maybe doing it again. So, um I think when you look at the way that Sid and Gino are playing and, um, you know, obviously Tanger is a fantastic player still and you got a nice young group of kids around them that are playing well and coming into their primes. Yeah, you know, there's, there's no doubt. I mean, you just have such a dynamic group and Phil playing well as well as he did last year obviously adds so much and, you know, you look at Schultz, he's become just a stud defenseman. So I, I think there's no doubt about it. Um, Matty Murray is an absolute star of a goalie. So, um the window is very wide open, I, I would say, uh, yes. Now, when you turn 42, Matt, you're going to make some history. Uh, only 16 non-goalies have played in the NHL at that age. What do you think that says about your career? Uh, well, I've fooled them for a long time is what it probably says, <laughs> I guess, the most. But <laughs> no, you know, I don't know. It's, it's been long, and um, I've been fortunate to be around so long, and uh, that's about all I can say is I just, you know, I, I look at it as a blessing. I'm really fortunate. Um taking care of my body. I put a lot of time into it. I've committed myself to, you know, being as good as I can be, but you know, a lot of guys do that. So I'm not, I'm not unique in that regard. I just, I try my hardest and I work, work hard in the summer and I do everything I can in my power to get prepared for every season. And you know, it's, it's just been great. And I was fortunate to end up in Pittsburgh and have those two years that we had. And, uh, 
looking to do it one more time. But no, I, you know, it's funny. It just goes so fast. And, uh, looking back on it, it's, it's crazy that it's been this long. Now you have never really declared a last year. Is this going to be your last year? Or I figured you might hold on to skate with your kids like Gordy Hobb did. <laughs> I scared my kids enough. I'm not hanging on for that. <laughs> no, I, I think this will be it. I mean, uh, you know, we'll see how the body feels, but, um, you know, I'm, I'm planning on this being the last one. And I know I've said that the last few years. It's just kind of the circumstances that have allowed me to continue to play. But, um, you know, I'm going to go into this one thinking that this is the last one and, and treat it that way and, and try to give it one more good run. Matt, thanks so much for taking the time. Welcome back to Pittsburgh, and we'll see you at camp. Thanks. Good talking to you, Mark. That's Matt Cullen back with the Penguins. Uh, sounds like he's going to play wing, doesn't it? They've certainly talked about that with him. And I'll tell you, if the fourth line was Shane, Cullen, and I don't know who you plug in there, I mean, might be Rusty with, with the log jam at wing. Well, that'd be a great fourth line. That'd be a great third line. We got Stan Saver next hour. I'm Mark Madden, 1059 X. And now the super genius, Mark Madden. Ah, super genius. What were you afraid more of, Satan or teabagging? Probably teabagging. Great story, compelling and rich. DX at 105.9. Double M on the X. 412-333-9939 is the number to call. This England-Columbia World Cup game is, uh, I wouldn't call it well played, but it's exciting. England lead 1-0 in the 75th minute. And Columbia has just lost its head after a penalty decision that gave Harry Kane a chance to slot home from the penalty spot and just haven't composed themselves enough to really get back in this game. It really looked at one point like one of their players could hit the referee. It really looked like it was going to come to that. Um, I had a skirmish with Vince Williams. Excuse me, I'm sorry. Vince Williams, Steeler linebacker Vince Williams on Twitter last night. Uh, Vince noted how the Warriors had assembled this super team, and he tweeted, NBA players are playing chess. We as NFL players need to take note. To which I tweeted back, A, they're ruining the league. B, you're marginal at best. You don't have to take note of anything. And then he tweeted back, thanks for the pub, Mark. I can always count on you. Which is kind of funny. I give Bench some credit. Like, Bench just has such a high opinion of himself. Like, if there was some movement among NFL players to assemble a super team like they have in Golden State, that, that Bench would be part of that super team. I just somehow don't think he would. That NBA thing, let me know what you think of that. You don't have to be an NBA fan to consider the magnitude of a league being ruined by a super team. And really, maybe that's only possible in basketball. Where, you know, if you have five superstar players, you're going to win 65 games and maybe more. Look how easy it was for Golden State in the playoffs this past season when they swept Cleveland in the final. And now they get arguably the best big man in basketball, albeit coming off an injury. So, uh... I think it takes all the suspense, all the fun. It it just ruins the NBA. And let's not forget, the NBA hasn't always been this friggin' juggernaut. The NBA had its league championship games, the finals, 
on tape delay in the early 80s because ratings were so low. They would tape the games and air them at 11.30 after the news. That was on CBS. Just incredible how far it's come, and maybe they've forgotten how far it once fell. Case in point, you know what happened not long before the NBA went in the tank in terms of having the finals on tape delay? The Celtics won 11 out of 13 championships. And during the Celtics' incredible run, they weren't even selling out their home games. Winning can be boring. Losing certainly can be boring. But even winning can be boring and certainly predetermined finishes unless they're presented in a creative fashion like with pro wrestling can be boring as well. 412-333-9939 is the number to call. I'd like to ask uh, all of you with the fourth installment of The Purge premiering uh, tonight in local theaters. It's called The First Purge. It's a prequel. It shows the first time, it was a test run by the New Founding Fathers of America when all crime was legal for a 12-hour period uh, once a year. And this was just in Staten Island, New York. That was the site of the uh, first experimental purge. The Staten Island people probably said, wait a minute, crime's illegal? But now it's legal for 12 hours? Hell, I beat people longer than 12 hours. Just one person. Anyway, uh, but if there was a purge, let me ask you. If there was a purge where all crime was legal for 12 hours, would you go out and murder and pillage and purge? Or would you hide and try to survive the purge? What you say says a lot about you as a human being. For example, if you called me up and said, it's a stupid question. There is no purge. That would say you're sane and rational. Uh, we were talking about LeBron leaving Cleveland. People in Cleveland are now posting tributes and thank yous to LeBron on social media. It's the same with Islanders fans in John Tavares leaving. At least with LeBron, he got Cleveland a championship before he left. Tavares got bupkis for the Islanders. Interesting comparison here. Toronto lost James Van Riemsdyk via free agency. He went to Philadelphia. He had 54 points and 36, uh, 54 points, pardon me, on the season, along with 36 goals. Toronto signed John Tavares. He had 84 points and 37 goals. So Toronto gained 30 points and, and one goal. And that is a sizable gain. But I bet it doesn't work out like they hope. I bet Austin Matthews doesn't like sharing the spotlight with John Tavares. I thought the Maple Leafs should have gone out and signed a couple defensemen and stayed the course with development. But uh, they've chosen to go out and sign the star to put him over the top, and he can't put him over the top when Ron Hainsey's their number two defenseman. The Leafs just can't resist. They just can't help but be the Leafs when push comes to shove. They did it right for how many years with the drafting and developing, and they criticized Lamorello, but then he left, and they started collecting hockey cards. 
Of course, that's one hockey card that Lou would like to have held on to, too, John Tavares, uh, now that Lou is with the island there. Let's go to Ray in Murraysville. Ray, you're on with Mark. Hey, Mark. Uh, you're talking about uh, if your team, if you knew your team was always going to win the championship, would you enjoy that? Uh, let me tell you, back in the late 60s, uh, I became a Steelers season ticket holder. And that's back when the Steelers weren't projected to win anything. And then they picked up Joe Green and Bradshaw and what have you. And uh, back in the early 70s, then the Steelers start winning. They became the Cinderella team. Yeah, I really don't want to recap the Steelers of the 70s. Do you have a point to make here in 2018? Or yeah. can we just wrap yeah. this up? Yeah. If you knew your team was always going to win, it's not as exciting for you as a fan. Okay, how do you draw that conclusion from the Steelers? Because their best team of that era actually didn't win. Well, it was more exciting when... Uh, the three-brick shy of a load team, remember, they did not win. Read that book if you know how to read. Uh, basketball's just different. Basketball's a sport where a bunch of great players like Golden State has can lead to a foregone conclusion before the season even starts. Getting back to the question, if, if there was a purge, would you go out and purge or would you try to survive the purge by hiding? I would try to survive the purge by hiding because I really don't feel like there would be any shortage of people looking to kill me. I just don't. I mean, come on, you have this loud, larger-than-life persona on the radio. I, I mean, people will want to kill me just because I make fun of the pirates. Then again, if they shoot like like Nick Kingham throws to first base or tries to catch, I mean, I'd be okay. I'd probably make it. 412-333-9939 is the number to call. In just a moment, I was watching the NFL Network. Wait do you hear what these two analysts, emphasis on the anal, what these two analysts predicted the Steelers to do in the upcoming season? They predicted them to go 10-6, and six, but let me tell you, what they predicted to happen within the context of that 10 and 6. 105.90X. Now the super genius, Mark Madden. Double M, big fan. Mark, good afternoon. Yeah, I want to talk to Mark Madden. What do you want? What do you want? Damn it! The X at 105.9. On the NFL Network, two of the analysts... Uh, Maurice Jones-Drew, the former Jacksonville running back, and James Jones, who once led a cult that resulted in dozens being killed. I don't know who this James Jones guy is. But Jones-Drew and Jones said that the Steelers would go 10-6, and six, but get swept by the Browns. Go 10-6, and six, but lose twice to the Browns. How do you predict 10-6? and six? And predict two losses to the Browns. Because if you're predicting two losses to the Browns in the same season, you should predict seven and nine. Because if you lose twice to Cleveland, you are not a good team. No quarter brought to you by CW Electrical Services. Make the switch at CWElectricalServices.com. Uh, let's go to John in Sacramento. John, you're on with Double M. Hey, Mark, how are you? What up? 
Hey, so I was thinking, uh, compared to the other teams in the league, uh, uh, hockey-wise, talking, uh, is it fair to say that our second and third lines would be the equivalent to a kind of average team's first and second lines? Uh, it would be fair to say that Pittsburgh's second line would be equivalent to most teams' first line. So, part B to my question, um, all the talk about, you know, Matt Cullen now coming back, which I think is great, by the way. Um, you know, Broussard's placement, Russ's placement, and what they're play- paying him and for how long. What is the uh, – why wouldn't we be able to roll four lines and still have it be a really good composition against most teams? Well, you know, rolling four lines when you have Crosby and Malkin is a fine uh, line, no pun intended, because you want to play those guys a lot. That's how you win games. So uh, I think the Penguins will have a pretty good fourth line. And we'll be able to roll four lines, but Sid and Gina were still going to get more time out there than anybody else. Uh, furthermore, I don't see how the lines fit together very easily at all. And I wrote a column for tomorrow's Trib and for the Trib website that talks about that. Like, every time you move a guy where you think he could okay, his versatility allows, and it does. But case in point, you move Cullen to wing, I don't know where you put rust. I don't know where you put sprung. Uh, they have 15 pounds of sugar for a 12-pound bag, and, and that's not a bad thing. That's a good thing. But I just yeah. don't see any easy combinating. Oh, my God, Columbia ties it in injury time. Oh, this is so England. This is just so England. Oh, for the love of God. Thank you for your call. What a header, too, to tie it. Wow. Let's go to Austin and Murraysville. Austin, you're only super genius. How you doing, Mark? Terrific. Uh, yeah, I think if uh, you're in the first purge or in the purge, you, if you're South Mine, you've got to hide. Say it again. If you're in the purge, if you're a sound mind, you definitely got to hide. Or you have to be, like, really skilled at killing. I guess that I mean, might I... not make you of sound mind. But what if you're, like, a merc? Or you spent years in the... What if you're Alejandro Villanueva? He knows how to kill, right? Yeah, he knows how to. I don't know if he's looking to, though. Oh, no, no. That That's a that's a choice. That reflects a mental state as well. But but I you don't think... think I, 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 so you're saying that it would... You'd have to be a... Uh, What's the word I'm looking for? Associopath to kill on purge night. Uh, yeah, I mean, you think the main crime would be theft more than murder. But what if you're looking for revenge on somebody who did you wrong? Like in the second purge, uh, what's his name? Frank Grillo, who later became the president's security chief in the third purge. Well, the presidential candidate, Charlie Rowan. But Frank <laughs> Grillo had his son killed by a drunk driver, and he went to kill the driver because the driver had been acquitted. Then again, when it came time to pull the trigger, he just couldn't do it. Uh, that's a good point. And what about the rich people in the purge? You want to kill the other rich people? That's the first one. This is kind of an odd discussion. Let's go to Will and Irwin. Will, you're on with Double M. What's up, dude? What up, dude? Hey, would you compare Golden State currently to the Pittsburgh Penguins of hockey? No. Golden State is much better 
uh, at their game than the Penguins are at theirs. Golden State's an automatic winner. The Penguins are very good, but I wouldn't call them an automatic winner just based on the fact they didn't win the last championship. Do you see it hurting revenue in the NBA? Having a power That's power? a good question. Uh, you know, TV ratings were up uh, 8% this past year. That's a really good question, and I don't know. I, I think it might take a while to... Well, no, maybe not. I mean, if I'm an NBA fan, I have very little interest in watching this coming season because I know who's going to win. Everybody else is playing for second place. Well, in the Eastern Conference anyway. In the West, they're playing for a runner-up spot. What about friggin' uh, LeBron going to the Lakers now? By the way, uh, LeVar Ball leaked that his kid's knee was hurt to keep from getting traded. I, I'm so, I just cut the kid. I'd go, okay, you're done. Go anywhere you want now, but not here. Not here. Uh, I mean, LeBron went out there thinking guys would follow him to L.A. Nobody has yet. And then DeMarcus Cousins shows up at Golden State. I still think that Kawhi Leonard's going to find his way to L.A. Maybe not today or tomorrow, but uh, I think that's the way that's ultimately going to play out. Let's go to Jeff in Bethel Park. Jeff, ask Mark. Any, uh, wait, Jeff, just talk. But I'm already mentally out of here. What do you want, Jeff? Yo, double one. Hey, uh, do you think that because the Capitals won a Stanley Cup, that kind of justified the Penguins not making a ton of noise in the free agency? It, let's say if the Capitals would have lost in the next round to Toronto, maybe that would have made the Penguins look worse and would have had to make more big rosters. Didn't Toronto lose in the first round? Uh, I'm sorry, I meant uh, Tampa Bay. Yeah, right. Uh, I uh, I think that the Penguins know they lost to a very good team. They know how good that team is because they beat them the prior two years, and it it certainly was far from easy. And I think when you make moves in the offseason, you don't worry about how you finished the prior season and how who you lost to, how they did after that, and how it reflects on you. I don't think you pay more than minimal attention to that. I think it's a matter of what cap room you have and what needs you have and what players are departing via free agency. I think Rutherford uh, has done a real good job this offseason. There are people who say what a terrible offseason he had last year, but there's X amount of people in town who just don't like Jim Rutherford. I do like the guy. And, and I was very critical of him the first year when he took over for Shiro, but uh, that's because he was kind of getting things back to zero so he could build his team his way. And since then, I think JR has done an excellent job at that. We got Matt on hold. He's going to have to stay on hold. In just a moment, we'll talk about the NBA being ruined and could that happen in other sports leagues. That's 30 seconds away here on 105.9.